Lewis, love you, as in labor and love. This is a labor and love show. We're leading off with a little love first. There's Bo Diddley, Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, Super Super Blues Man. I love you.
I'm gonna tell her again. Don't you believe me? You've been telling her all the time, huh? Well, I do love. I'm gonna tell her about it. Glad to be here. Baby, I love you. Maybe a young Turk Maybe 
You know, every day you make decisions and you serve somebody. You can't avoid it. So remember, you're only alone when you don't stand up. If you don't stand up, they'll say you stood up for sitting down. Maybe a construction worker working on a home. Living in a mansion might live in a dome. Call me Bobby, hey. Call me 
Nosotros, los que vivimos on the go, queremos más que datos ilimitados. started with the love part with uh, Bo Diddley and the super super blues band with Muddy Waters and uh, Howlin' Wolf and then we got into the you gotta choose somebody you're gonna have to serve somebody listen up now to Rise Against
That was, let's go, let's run them down. That was Rise Against. Rise Against is a rock and roll band. Uh, very eloquent lyrics there. The name of the song was Re-Education Through Labor. Okay, we'll look up a little more about uh, Rise Against. It's the second week. I think we played some of their... Thanks to, by the way, thanks to uh, Yemen for turning me on to uh, Rise Against. This is The Bee, and this is the show where we tell you how it is. We call the show Labor and Love because that's what it's about. <clears throat> it's about working people. It's about their lives. and laws and actions that will uh, make their lives better. We tell it how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, you're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. What do we got for you today? Well, the origins of Memorial Day. What are the true origins of Memorial Day? It's kind of been co-opted by a militarist government to celebrate the lives of American soldiers who have died in war. Uh, a worthy, a worthy initiative to celebrate the lives of people who have died in war, but we don't question on Memorial Day. We're not supposed to question how those wars happen, whose interests they serve, the wisdom of sending young people to war. Amazing. Uh... We'll talk about, of course, as we always do, about labor history. <clears throat> Big happenings all through history. We're going to go all the way back to New York in the 1700s. Um, a union in Virginia wakes up again, starts to organize. That's part of labor notes. We'll have our regular, our regular um, features, radio labor and labor radio. And pardon me, this microphone is just <laughs> failing me at every turn. <clears throat> okay, let's see. The Memorial Day celebrations <clears throat> happened at the same time as Carnival, that wonderful celebration of the flesh and the spirit in uh, San Francisco, celebrated as only people in San Francisco can. Multi-ethnic, very diverse, little bit of everything and really good feelings all through it all. Today we're going to feature music from the album, The People Speak. So 
let's get that lined up. Start with something from there. This is Rich Robertson. Rich Robinson. Only a pawn in their game. Then we'll follow it up with a couple more. Here we go. Only a pawn in their game. Spark. Two eyes took the aim Behind a man's brain But he can't be blamed He's only a pawn in their game A South politician preaches to the poor white man It is plain For the politician's game As he rises to fame And the poor white remains On the caboose of the train But it ain't him to blame He's only a pawn In their game The deputy sheriffs The soldiers The governors get paid He's taught in his school From the start by the rule That the laws are with him To protect his white skin To keep up his hate So he never thinks straight About the shape that he's in But it ain't him to blame He's only a pawn From the poverty shacks, he looks from the cracks to the tracks. And the hoofbeats pound in his brain. He's taught how to walk in a pack, shoot in the back with his fist in a clench, to hang and to lynch. To hide neath the hood To kill with no pain Like a dog on a chain He ain't got no name But it ain't him to blame He's only a pawn In their game Today Medgar Evers Was buried from the bullet he caught Gun, he'll see by his grave 
on the stone that remains Carved next to his name His epitaph plain Only a pawn in their game
was Taj Mahal, Taj Mahal singing Blues with a Feeling. And um, that was preceded by Alison Moore singing Brother Can You Spare a Dime, the national anthem of the working people, out of work working people in the uh, Great Depression. Might as well bring it out again. Unemployment is very high in some places among certain communities and high everywhere. And before that, we had Rich Robinson singing the Dylan song, 
celebrating the life of Medgar Evers and protesting his murder, only a pawn in the game pointing out how working-class white people get used in the race war by those who profit from it and get nothing in return except to be told, well, you're better off than the black man, aren't you? As I said, we're featuring the People Speak uh, based on the work of Howard Zinn, the People Speak uh, 2009. A look at America's struggles with war, class, race, and women's rights based on Howard Zinn's uh, People's History of the United States. Uh, It's a film where prominent actors and personalities read from documents about the resistance to the American empire and the resistance to the American plutocracy and the resistance to corporate control of our lives. So we'll be playing uh, songs from that all day long here. Right now, let's get on to some labor radio. This is the Win Labor Report for the week of June 2nd, 4th. Workers Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. The National Labor Relations Board Wednesday began a trial to reach a decision on whether Menards has violated federal labor law and the way it treats its workers. OPEIU labor attorney Seth Goldstein brought the case on behalf of truckers working for Menards, a Midwest home improvement chain owned by billionaire Republican John Menard. Goldstein says there are two main allegations of labor law violations involving haulers of Menards merchandise. The first one is whether the haulers are actually employees or independent contractors. We believe that they're employees and therefore have the right to organize the union. And the second issue is if they are employees, they all were forced to sign mandatory arbitration agreements that limited their rights, one, to engage in class action lawsuits, and they are prohibited to file charges with the National Labor Relations Board. So that would be the unfair labor practice. And the judge is going to decide that issue with evidence and testimony. The Illinois legislature has passed a $15 an hour minimum wage bill. It's headed now to anti-union Republican Governor Bruce Rauner's desk. If Illinois adopted the $15 minimum wage, 2.3 million workers statewide would benefit from the desperately needed raise. The Economic Policy Institute says California low-wage workers lose $2 billion a year to employer wage theft. That's how much it costs minimum wage workers when employers violate minimum wage and overtime laws. On average, EPI says workers who should be getting the minimum wage are losing $64 a week, roughly $3,300 a year. Are you ready for sharing the road with driverless freight trucks? A new report from the International Transport Forum says the technology is coming and it could cost 4.4 million trucking jobs by 2030. The report says driverless trucks will cut the demand for drivers by 50 to 70 percent in the U.S. and Europe. This report on the impacts of driverless trucks was a combined effort of the International Transport Workers Federation, European Automobile Manufacturers Association, and the International Road Transport Union. We are 
are fully unified on this. We're extremely confident, and we have a really, really solid group of people. I'm thrilled with what we're doing. I'm thrilled with the support that ASC has given us, and we're not the first charter school in D.C. to try. We will be the first charter school in D.C. to succeed. Cesar Chavez charter school teacher Christian Herr. Herr says the main overriding issue for teachers seeking affiliation with the American Federation of Teachers is a staff turnover. Other top issues for teachers about to have a union election at this Washington, D.C. charter school are job security and lack of a grievance process. The teachers want a strong voice on the job and a seat at the table on major decisions on curriculum and a range of other education issues. Herr says these teachers built a strong pro-union base in two years of organizing and he said that the key is they started acting like a union before getting to the union election that's coming soon. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, that was Doug Cunningham with uh, Labor Radio. And let's look at look at some of those issues that he raised that have been raised out in the world this week. Wage theft is one of them. Not only do they steal from us or steal from you as a wage worker by paying you only part of what your labor is worth, worth to them, they're also going to take wages away by not paying you, for example, for overtime or extra work, by making you work even after you punched out in several cases by not paying you properly. So wage theft among low-wage workers is endemic among companies that employ low-wage workers. Then he talked about the $15 an hour law in Illinois, and I submit that among all the pessimism around the labor movement, The $15 an hour movement, because it's based on something concrete, because it's based on somebody's real life, is one of the most powerful and effective movements in American history. And finally, driverless trucks. This is a real trend now. We remember uh, Donald Trump's proposed Secretary of Labor who said that we, who said that robots were better than human workers because they didn't sit, get sick, they didn't complain, they didn't file compl- uh, national labor relations cases. They were always upbeat. <laughs> Maybe what he needs to do is get uh, some machines who will also buy his hamburgers. At any rate, this trend of replacing real working people with uh, machines, robots, is a real trend. It's something that we really need to, uh, to pay attention to. All right, let's listen to World Labor Man. Rachel Lindsay. Let's see what we got here. 
Radio Labor. Radio Labor Report. For the week, May 29th to June 2nd. Mr. Trump called human-induced climate change a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese government. The Paris Agreement... Let's start over here with Mr. Trump. Okay. An accord which 195 countries, almost all of the nations of the world, signed in 2015. It is the first legally binding global pact to fight climate change. It binds countries to self-police reductions in their carbon emissions so that the world can hold the increase in global average temperature to under 2 degrees centigrade above pre-industrial levels. The U.S. signed the Paris Agreement with a promise to reduce its emissions by 26% by 2025. When the U.S. pulls out of the agreement, it will join the only two countries who have not signed the pact. Syria, a failed state in the midst of a civil war, and Nicaragua, which refused to sign because it said the agreement didn't go far enough. The international labor movement welcomed the Paris Agreement when it was signed, but wants a just transition for workers as the world moves to greener, more sustainable economies. Sharon Burrow is the General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITUC is the world body which represents national union centers such as the Ghana Trade Union Congress and the AFL-CIO in the United States. She was interviewed by Eduardo Gonzalez of Climate Team. There are no jobs on a dead planet. This is much more than a slogan for us. We're already seeing the uh, loss of lives and livelihoods with extreme weather events. And indeed, you know, workers are on the front lines of climate change, the negative impact, but also as we make the transition, the energy transition, the uh, change in the nature of the use of technologies, the, uh, the, the zero carbon, zero poverty ambitions for the future, then the opportunities mean workers are on the front lines again with their communities. So for us, it's core business. Climate change is an imperative. We can't uh, continue to live in a world where inequality and poverty are becoming uh, entrenched as systemic outcomes of a model of business that is failing us. So zero carbon, zero poverty, the opportunities are clear, but of course the challenges are also significant and we want to be part of that design mix. Um, as we move from a, a high carbon economy and fossil fuel industries and so on to a low carbon economy, there's obviously a form of transition there and redeployment of jobs. How would you say that that's best managed? I'm very frightened that we've already lost an orderly exit from coal. So our core demand for coal miners is that they're given the security of the time frame in which they can uh, be assured they'll have uh, jobs, that their pensions are secured and that they're uh, looked after in terms of redeployment and that there's money into their communities for renewal. 
But for other fossil fuel companies, for energy companies, they face a choice. They can actually uh, set themselves up for the transition. They can have a plan that has 2020, 2030, 2050 targets to get to that zero carbon future. And as they transition to renewables and reduce their uh, dependence on fossil fuels, then they actually got a natural capacity to transition their workforce. Um, how, in your view, is the trade union movement globally embracing or addressing the climate change challenge? Where there's dialogue and an understood plan and people can see themselves and their children as part of the future, then it's possible to affect what we call a just transition. The big problem is that governments have been too slow, many employers have been too slow, industry sectors have simply not considered an alternative future. So they've thrown money and time into lobbying governments not to change, to maintain the status quo. The only way we're going to make this uh, transition, if it's uh, based on dialogue, if all the stakeholders are part of the mix, and if it's a just transition where everybody can see a future. The International Conference of the United Nations International Labour Organization starts next week. Seamarie Ainsborough reports. Hundreds of unionists around the world are preparing to leave for the 106th Conference of the International Labour Organization in Geneva. The ILO is the UN agency focused on matters of work in the world. The conference will be held June 5th to 16th. The ILO is seen by the international labour movement as a crucial instrument for building global support for workers because it is one of the few global bodies where unionists help govern the organization. The organization functions as a tripartite body with representatives from governments, employer groups, and labor unions. The director general of the organization is Guy Ryder, the first unionist to lead the organization in its 98-year history. One of the major activities of the ILO is to establish minimum standards for work-related issues such as maternity leave in proposed legislation called conventions. If adopted by a nation, a convention becomes part of the country's legal structure. The first week of the conference is focused on committees preparing policy drafts which will be considered by the full conference of 4,000 delegates. One of the most important committees is the Committee on Fundamental Principles and Rights at Work. Beate Andres heads the ILO department which supports work on the issue. The Committee on Fundamental Principles and Rights at Work will discuss trends and challenges as well as opportunities with regards to the elimination of child labour, forced labour, discrimination at work and the promotion of freedom of association and collective bargaining. The theme of the ILO conference this year is the future of work, including the role of labour unions in helping to build decent work into that future. This is Seamarie Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labour. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the average of 300 news stories added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to news about the strike by 175,000 Canadian construction workers and the subsequent back-to-work law imposed on them the arrest of a labor rights activist in China, and of course the reaction of unions around the world to the withdrawal of the United States from the Paris Climate Accord. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Customs workers ended a five-day pension and benefits strike in Chile with a victory. Drivers parked their buses in Bangladesh to demand safer working conditions after one of their comrades was beaten to death. 
A government decision to return to the bargaining table resulted in the suspension of the nurses' strike in Zimbabwe, while a months-long lockout at an aerospace manufacturer in the same country continued. Solid waste workers in South Africa ended their five-day-long strike when their employer agreed to negotiations over their workplace complaints. Jamaican petrol station workers walked out after a colleague was sacked. And in Nigeria, while the fuel marketers' strike ended as negotiations resumed, public sector workers of all kinds were walking off the job to protest wage theft as municipalities, health authorities, and universities failed to pay their employees. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the solidarity work being done by Iranian women trade unionists to support an imprisoned teachers union leader, the union campaign against gender-based violence in Namibia, and the push to recruit women to the construction trades by unions in the United States. The health and safety newswire we run in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the changes made to public transit in Canada after the murder of a bus driver, how asbestos is imported into Australia despite laws banning it, and workplace violence in care homes in Trinidad and Tobago. Currently, Labor Start is running six online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, Labor Radio and Radio Labor. Now, uh, the response of labor and love. Trump pulls out of the Paris Accord. It wasn't even that radical, uh, an action, an act. The accords were pretty mild. And Trump pulled out. So why did Trump pull out? Well, I think it's a visceral thing, a, a visceral reaction and a visceral issue. Trump was somehow able to convince people that the Paris Accords hurt American business. The problem is many of the big energy-based corporations wanted to stay in. They wanted to keep in to the Paris Accord. Uh, Some of them had been taken over by shareholders who were adamant in their support for something like the Paris Accord. But Mr. Trump decided to ignore that. And again, everyone says, well, he's just trying to please his base. Okay, if that pleases his base, uh, we're left again with a question. Now, the Paris Accords were sort of a feeble attempt to react to climate change, which is affecting our lives and will continue to affect our lives more and more. And the central question is, when you have a, an economic system 
that's based on labor, on wage labor, wage slavery, how do you convert that over to an economy that supports and preserves and nourishes our earth? It's our work, our labor that has polluted the earth, that has wrecked the earth, that has made pollution and trashing of the oceans issues that we have to deal with. No other, uh, no other generation has had to deal with this. What do we do? Trump wants to just keep going on, keep grinding it out, <clears throat> keep ripping off the earth. Climate change is a lie that was invented by the Chinese. I think we're going to see in the future that it's not a lie and that the worst thing in the world that we can do is continue on as we have with our wage labor system. Workers are going to have to refuse to destroy the earth. Labor and love says. All right, let's get on with some more from the people speak. See how we are, this one is called. There are men lost in jail, crowded 52 room. There's dirty rats in this cage of a world And the women know their place They sit home and write letters Then they visit once a year When they both just sit down and stare See how we are Gotta keep bars in between us See how we are We only sing about it once in every 20 years See how we are, all see how we are. Now there are seven kinds of coke, 500 kinds of cigarettes. This freedom of choice in the USA drives everybody crazy. Down in Acapulco. Well, they don't give a damn about kids on a chicklets with no shoes on their feet. See how we are. Get the hell out of my way, pinche indio. See how we are. We only sing about it once in every year, 20 years. See how we are. Oh, see. Set a metaphor. 
when I'm in love I said, oh really? What's this one's name? She said his first name is Homeboy I said, could his last name be Trouble? See how we are Homeboy is not one of those South Central ghetto names See how we are We only sing about it once in every 20 years See how we are Oh, see gotta move this bottom rung ain't no fun at all cause now fires and rock houses and grape flavored rat poison are the new trinity for this so called community see how we are gotta keep bars out of our windows see how we are we only sing it better in every 20 years See how we are Oh, see How we are See How we are Yeah, see How we are Thank you very much for being here tonight. Thank we really you. appreciate it. There's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some love in here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate Oh, you see, war is not the answer only love can conquer hate You know we've got to find a way To bring some love in here today Oh, picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Come on, talk to me so you can see
everybody thinks we're wrong Oh, but who are they to judge us Simply cause our hair is long You know we've got to find a way To bring some understanding here today Oh, picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Come on, talk to me So you can say thinks we're wrong Who are they to judge us Simply cause we wear our hair so long You know we've got to find a way To bring some love in here today Oh Picket lines Picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Come on, talk to me So you can see What's going on What's going on What's going on Oh, what's going on Drums of war. 
back the freedoms that we struggled for What were those freedoms for? Let's not talk about it anymore Roll out the drums of war Roll out the drums of war Whatever you believe the necessary course to be drums for war even before the peace is lost who are the prophets for and who are they who bear the cost when a country takes the low road to war who gives the orders Orders to torture Who gets to no-bid contract the future Who lies, then bombs, then calls it an error Who makes a fortune from fighting terror Who is the enemy trying to crush us Who is the enemy of truth and justice Who is the enemy of peace and freedom Where are the courts now when we need them Why is impeachment not on the table? We better stop them while we are able. Roll out the drums of war. Roll out the drums of war. If you know what your freedom's for, roll out the drums of war. Whatever you believe the necessary course to be depends on who you trust to identify the enemy. Took this country to war Long before the peace was lost Who are the prophets for? And who are they who bear the cost When a country takes the low road? Thank you. Great to be here. Okay, that set featured three more cuts from the album The People Speak. We had see how, let's see, start with Drums of War was our latest one by Jackson Brown. And he raises some wonderful questions. Why is impeachment not on the table? Before that, we had What's Going On, a beautiful anti-war song. John Legend. And See How We Are sort of focusing on the victims of the market economy, of globalization, of the business-only point of view. It's just business, right? People are... This is The Bee, and we're coming at you from Mutiny Radio 2781. 
21st Street in the heart of the Mission District. We come at you every uh, Saturday morning live from 10 to 12, so tune in then. Well, if you're hearing this, you're tuned in anyway. (laughs) Uh, uh, Shows are also available on the mutinyradio.fm website under podcast slash labor and love and you'll have all the labor and love for about the last year and a half to choose from okay take a little break now the 11 o'clock hour play a little Lalo Guerrero Another another issue that's before the public now is uh, Lalo Guerrero and his... uh, song about marijuana. I'm still looking for it here. I have to jump to something else. Okay. Let's play his Corrido de Delino honoring the of Cesar Chavez. Se trata de un pueblo 
abarcador y decente Con el estandarte hermoso de nuestra Guadalupana Van marchando a Sacramento nuestra gente mexicana a luchar por sus derechos Dios bendito a ver si gana Se alerta ese vato, no se vaya al rol Porque va a empezar al rato el piano del cantón Porque va a empezar al rato el marihuana boogie boy Jaina se llama Juana, 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 Juana Pero ya todos los vatos le dicen marihuana Mari, marihuana, cómo te quiero yo Ese buggy me siento volador. Pégale bute esas teclas, ya estoy aviador. Pégale bute esas teclas, que ya estoy
Okay, we're back now. This is The Bee, and you're listening to Labor and Love. And it's Saturday morning, June the 3rd. Just want to let you know that in the morning this morning, you heard an earlier archive show, Labor and Love. So on Saturday morning, you get four hours of Labor and Love, two hours of archive and two hours of live which is what we are now and where we are now. I'd like to kick off the second part of the show before we get to Memorial Day and some uh, labor notes and talk about a couple of poets. Every week or so we try to include poetry in our show. And in this case, we've got... uh, Rachel Lindsay, kick it off. Tell about who Lindsay was. Lindsay is a Lindsay is an American poet. He was born in Springfield, Illinois, in 1879, and his uh, father was a doctor. The location of his child influenced Lindsay and one of his poems, The Eagle Forgotten, eulogizes Illinois Governor John P. Altgelt, whom Lindsay admired for his courage in pardoning the anarchists involved in the Haymarket affair, despite the strong protests of U.S. President Grover Cleveland. Unlike Lindsay's more purely intellectual contemporaries, he declaimed his work from the stage, complete with extravagant gestures of a carnival barker and an old-time preacher. I think that my first poetic impulse is for music. Lindsay has a best-known poem called The Congo, where we talk about, where he talks about the exploitation of the Congo and using rhythms and uh, sound, sound for sound's sake. In the final 20 years of his life, Lindsay was one of the best-known poets in the U.S. His reputation enabled him to befriend, encourage, and mentor other poets such as Langston Hughes and Sarah Teasdale. Uh, his poetry was not academic and after his death he became a more obscure figure okay we're going to present one of his poems called the factory windows are always broken and it's read by Tully Kupfenberg an icon in the uh, New York beat pump punk political scene in the 1960s and 70s Ancestors whose hard work paid the way into each one of you out there doing labor today to our How many of you have ever seen a factory? That's pretty good. People say the factories are uh, factories are disappearing. I think they're just moving out of town, way out of town. That is wherever uh, wherever uh, wages are uh, 25 cents an hour. Thank you! 
because you know all of the stuff that uh, everything here was made somewhere probably in a factory unless God made it and uh, um, so uh, there have been factories in America and Rachel Lindsay wrote this song about factories around the world he wrote the, this poem we said it to his How many of you have uh, ever worked in a factory? One of the things that Lindsay did during his career, as we noted, was that he uh, mentored younger poets. Sarah Teasdale is an example, a well-known American poet at her time. And the, one of the others was um, one of the others was. Um, Pardon me. One of the others was Langston Hughes. The story goes that Hughes was uh, working as a busboy in a large, uh, ho a large restaurant at a hotel in New York. And Rachel Lindsay came in and had breakfast. 
And Hughes took some of his poems uh, and put them under the food warmer. So when Lindsay opened, he found some poems and read them and uh, ended up supporting Hughes and helping him get published and uh, launched on a career as one of the foremost poets of his time. And uh, someone whose influence keeps growing as we realize how radical he really was. This one is called Democracy. Today, this year, nor ever, through compromise and fear, I have as much right, as the other fellow has, to stand, on my two feet, and own the land. I tire so of hearing people say, let things take their course, tomorrow is another day. I do not need my freedom when I'm dead, I cannot live on tomorrow's bread, freedom, is a strong seed planted in a great need I live here, too I want freedom just as you Hi, Langston Hughes read by a machine let us just go through it here Democracy will not come today, this year nor ever through compromise and fear Langston Hughes reading his wasn't Hughes it was a machine reading uh, one of Hughes poems about 1128 now let's uh, talk about Memorial Day I brought it up Memorial Day is celebrated as a day we remember our fallen uh, soldiers people have gone to fight in foreign wars and in the Civil War, as you'll see, um, quote-unquote, given their lives for their country. So we honor them. Not a bad idea, but taken over completely in sort of a right-wing, jingoistic, chauvinistic way. We celebrate these dead people, but we don't question what sent them out to where they were. What did they fight for? Who sent them? Were their wars well-advised or ill-advised? We don't talk about that. As well, we don't talk about the origins of Memorial Day. So let's read. This is on an alternate website. The untold story of Memorial Day, former slaves honoring and mourning the dead. The African-American history of this federal holiday has been nearly wiped from public memory. 
Union General John Logan is often credited as being a founder of Memorial Day. He was a commander-in-chief of a union's organization. He issued a decree establishing what was then called Decoration Day. The graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion. This is what happened. During the spring of 1865, African-Americans in Charleston, South Carolina, most of them former slaves, held a series of memorials and rituals to honor unnamed fallen Union soldiers and boldly celebrate the struggle against slavery. One of the largest such events took place in May 1st of that year but had been largely forgotten until David Blight, a university professor, history professor at Yale, found records at a Harvard archive. In a New York Times article published in 2011, Blight described the scene. While it is difficult to pinpoint the precise birthplace of the holiday, it is fair that ceremonies like the following are largely erased on the American narrative of Memorial Day. Here's some of what he writes. During the final year of the war, the Confederates had converted the city's Washington race course and jockey club into an outdoor prison. Union captives were kept in horrible conditions in the interior of the track. At least 257 died of disease and were hastily buried in a mass grave behind the grandstand. After the Confederate evacuation of Charleston, black workmen went to the site, reburied the Union dead properly, and built a high fence around the cemetery. They whitewashed the fence and built an archway over an entrance on which they inscribed the words, Martyrs of the Race Course. Cooperation with white missionaries and teachers. Three people staged a parade of 10,000 on the track. The New York Times correspondent missed the event, describing the possession of friends and mourners in South Carolina and the United States. Never saw the film. 3,000 black school children led the procession, singing John Brown's body. Other songs performed were the rally around the flag and the stars bangled the band. After that, the crowd dispersed. I'm sorry, after listening to spirituals and Bible readings by local ministers. Crowd dispersed and did what we do. Picnics, listen to speeches, and watch soldiers drill. Two colored brigades performed a special double column But there it is. Memorial Day, one of the first celebrations of a Memorial Day. Appreciation for those who gave their lives to end slavery. 
Memorial Day, said Howard Zinn, should be a day for putting flowers on graves and planting trees. Also for destroying weapons of death that endanger us more than protect us. That waste our resources and threaten still celebrations of honoring the Confederacy. Charleston officials have taken some small step toward recognizing the city's African-Americans. So, Memorial Day. It ain't what they say. It's a little deeper than that. General Logan in 1868 and the citizens of, some of the citizens of South Carolina originated the celebration. The celebration by the black citizens predated General Logan's by three years. So, I guess nobody wants to come out and say Memorial Day began as a day of mourning for soldiers who gave their lives to end slavery. Much of it celebrated by the former slaves. Here's some news on labor notes about a transit union in Virginia, which is a right-to-work state. Going into its latest contract, the transit union in Fairfield County, Virginia, was in tough shape. People weren't active because they didn't believe the union could do much. And the union couldn't do much because the people weren't active. Management never budged on the issues that stewards brought up. Grievances piled up, unresolved. Since Virginia is a right-to-work state, half the workers in the bargaining unit weren't even members of the transit. ATU Local 1764. But after a robust union campaign, in a matter of months, the Fairfax Connector went from a unit at risk of decertifying to a strong union shop. Fairfax County is one of the wealthiest counties in the nation. At the 600 bus drivers, mechanics, and utilities at the Fairfax Connector have no pension because they work for a private company rather than the county. Many can't afford to live in affluent Washington, D.C. or its suburbs where they work. Workers were seething because they'd been cheated out of a retirement plan. In the previous Contract, they had given up a 2% raise in exchange for a pension. And the pension plan could not be set up according to the contract's poorly written items. The company exploited the loophole, loophole and kept the money. The union went on a campaign to build stronger relationships with its Members, ATU staff set out to talk to members and encourage involvement. Local, a local recruited and trained more stewards who 
Brooklyn, Union Hail from Somalia, Nigeria, Togo, Tanzania, Morocco. And for the first time ever, the Union began to print newsletters and distribute the contract in Spanish, Amharic, Somali, and Arabic. This was crucial, since the garages are full of little communities, said driver John Gillison. The Middle Easterners hang out and talk with one another, as do the African immigrants and many other groups. Many of them couldn't get involved in the Union because of a language barrier. a plan where people could get information in their own languages. Setting up a strike deadline did the trick. John Gillison, one of the organizers, said, In my 68 years, I've never seen a brotherhood and a sisterhood come together at the workplace like that. Setting a strike did the trick. The finally, company finally gave way on many issues and settled a contract. Wage progression was shortened from 15 years to five. The pay for bus operators rose to 32.25 per hour, and the union bridged much of the gap in compensation, compensation between garages. In retirement, the workers still didn't get a pension, but the company agreed to increase its 401k match by 250%. Workers also won back the wages they had given up in the previous contract for the failed pension proposal. The union also won better language on bathroom breaks beat back credit and background checks and got the company to adopt a number of the union's recommendation to adjust poisonous, address poisonous fumes in the workplace. Along the way, a much-hated vi vice president of operations was ousted. In the wake of this departure, one union member said, management started showing us respect that we've never seen before. They started to talk to us, respond to meetings, and work out issues with the shop steward. Over the course of this campaign, the union signed up nearly 200 new members, bringing its membership rate to above 85% of the bargaining unit. Once people started to get educated about the union and began to see the activity, they got excited and wanted to sign up and join. Okay, a little long there, sorry I went on, but it is a kind of a microscope, under the microscope analysis of how unions can come back in this country. Union is as union does. In this case, the union worked together with its members and organized, organized them by getting them together so they could organize themselves. A victory, okay? A few thousand people, but that's a few thousand now that have a union and have uh, <coughs> 
faith in their union. Okay, um, one more thing. This is the anniversary of a strike in 1941 against the Walt Disney Company. And uh, the issues with the Disney Company were that Walt Disney claimed credit for all the work, ran the place with an iron hand, um, uh, pigeonholed women into support jobs, and uh, uh, fostered an, uh, uh, an environment of sexism kind of a patriarchal place where Disney felt that uh, it was such a, an honor to work at Disney that the workers should be happy about it. Here's a little uh, eight-minute thing about the strike. This is uh, highlighting Herb Sorrell, one of our labor cards. Here's the Disney word. Thinly veiled reference to the studio's own crisis. Just before the strike, work had begun on a story about a baby circus elephant called Dumbo. Despite the fact that some of his best artists were now manning the picket lines, Disney was determined that work on the picture should continue. Produced mostly by strike breakers, Dumbo made a thinly veiled reference to the studio's own crisis. In one scene, some greedy circus clowns sow the seeds of industrial unrest. This idea is sensational! Let's go tell the boss! Hey, hey, let's hit him for a race! Yeah, sure! This is what real dog! Oh, we're gonna hit the big boss for a race! Yes, we're gonna hit the big boss for a race! Back on the picket line, Disney's own workers were not afraid to show the big boss how they felt. Disney had to kind of run the gauntlet to get to his own studio. Must have been awful for him. We would shout and yell. It was kind of frightening. Somebody yelled something out that he uh, didn't like, and he got out of his car, and he was ready to run and, and kind of go at it with this fellow physically, but he was restrained. Uh, by this time, his fuse was so low that, uh, that the spark was ready to hit the TNT. He just went ballistic about that strike, I tell you. Came out every day almost and stood there about oh, 60 feet back of the gates to watch the picket line. He had someone come out and photograph the picket line, photograph everybody that was in the picket line. His office was lined with the photos of all the people on the picket lines, and he would go through.
Okay, we're a little short of time. We'll have to deal with uh, the strike at Disney next week, I promise you. This is The B, and we're coming at you today from Mutiny Radio. Remember, if one person got a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. Never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Hello to Vita, hello to Yemen. Hello to Choli, Nepo, Olivia. Hope everybody's doing well. Where when I left. Hello to everybody, and remember, this show is dedicated to working people all around the world. Some 3,500 or more of them will lose their lives today on work-related causes and conditions. In the U.S., 150 workers will die that way. And somehow we've been unable to come up with the number of billionaires who died of work-related causes. It's a hard statistic to find, but we'll keep looking. Goodbye and good work to you. Stay tuned for my buddy Scott Walker and his show, Flat Black Plastic. Okay, signing off. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and...
You should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com The Night Space brings you high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Story Time Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Sunday, June 11th at Cobb's Comedy Club, 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $16 for the All-State Heavyweight Comedy Showdown! Hosted by Terry Dorsey, featuring some of the best comedians all over California. From San Francisco, Pam Benjamin. From Saratoga, Joey Avery. And all the way out of San Diego, Mike DeVore. Other comedians as well for only $16 at Cobb's Comedy Club, 915 Columbus Avenue. Go get your tickets for June 11th now. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the edge of insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh. Kit Marie. Brandon Ray. And Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. 
And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every people you're t- tuned into the muniradio.fm this is a flat black plastic show we're gonna do some song about space least five miles a second or it'll never stay up. Some of them can go around the earth in only an hour and a half. Don't you know, if they push that button, your ass got to go. They're talking about 